0: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 119 of The Big Cruise Podcast. Uh, my name is Baz, I'm your host, and uh, this episode was recorded on the weekend of the 22nd of October 2022. We're back to a normal episode today. We've got uh, Chris joining us shortly with uh, a great listener question. Uh, we've got uh, abundance of cruise news And uh, I guess uh, we should really jump uh, straight into it. But before we do so, just a little thank you to those of you that are listening, liking and subscribing in your favourite podcast app. Uh, If I could ask one uh, one step further, maybe, even if you could uh, recommend us to uh, a couple of your friends. If you've got some people that love cruising and love cruise holidays uh, that don't know about the podcast, maybe you could just uh, give them a gentle nudge and say, have a listen and see what you think. (laughs) But uh, as I say, let's get straight into it. Let's get Chris on the line and... Enjoy the show.
0: Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels.
1: And once again it's our listeners favorite part of the show where we welcome our good friend the maritime historian Chris Rame, welcome back.
2: Thank you. It's good to be back. And well done to Leighton for doing such a great job filling in the, the last uh, <laughs> edition. I've got to be worried about my job security there, Baz.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, Great episode, though, uh, on board Coral Princess, of course. Uh, So well done for that. And uh, thank you once again to the team at uh, Princess Cruises for for making that one happen. I've got Uh, withdrawals. Already?
2: (laughs) Oh, yes, of course.
1: And of course, uh, in just under a week, we'll be welcoming Coral Princess to, uh, to Fremantle in Western Australia. So she's uh, mm. currently, I think she's somewhere between Darwin and Broome right now. So she's uh, yeah. doing that circumnavigation. So uh, well first, done. Uh, well.
2: First big, or well, first internationally flagged cruise ship back in um, Port of Fremantle since yeah. the pandemic.
1: Exactly, exactly. And then not too far behind her is uh, one of your firm favorites as well.
2: Yes, Queen Elizabeth's on her way. So she's... Uh, um due in on the 7th i think of november um i should yep. know because I'm, I'm i'm embarking on the ship so <laughs> um so it's going to be it's going to be great to to see uh, uh Cunard as well back in in australia and then there's a few others heading this his, heading to the west coast um over the uh, yeah. coming coming weeks and months so things are certainly feeling good at the moment
1: <laughs> yeah we're finally catching up with the rest of the world well yes it's nice it's nice to be back <laughs> Now, uh, we've got a history question that uh, dropped in uh, to the uh, the website inbox. This came in from Adrian, and uh, he wanted to know, when did Carnival, Princess and Royal Caribbean get their first ships over 100,000 registered tonnes?
2: Oh yes, so it's funny, you know, because um, one of the ships—a little bit of a spoiler—but one of the ships we're going to be talking about in this particular um, episode makes a hundred thousand tons look small. Um, but a hundred thousand tons, yeah, it does, doesn't it? A hey, um, hundred thousand tons was sort of like this this barrier um, that had never really been eclipsed um, up until the nineteen nineties. So, interestingly enough, um, the, the the Cunard Ocean liner Queen Elizabeth was mm. 83,000 tons. And she held the record as the, as the largest ship by tonnage all the way through till 1996. So even oh, wow. when um, Sovereign of the Seas and Majesty of the Seas were becoming the world's largest cruise ships, even with the Norway, which was a very big um, cruise ship that used to be an ocean liner that was converted, none of them eclipsed 83,000 mm. tons in terms of gross tonnage until... Um, in 1996, Carnival unveiled the Carnival Destiny, and this was the first of their Destiny class ships, um, which, of course, mm-hmm. is the sort of um, the 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 prototype, I suppose, that that is the basis of many of their big um, big cruise ships. And in fact, the um, sort of variants of it have also been used um, with um, with other brands such as such as Costa variants that that are sort of. Larger versions of the Destiny class, they all sort of have that similar sort of profile with a with a very sort of stubby bow and a, and a more sort of sharpened stern area, um, <laughs> and she made you know the the first step into that hundred thousand ton group um interestingly enough the ship now sails as carnival sunshine so she's been rebranded renamed mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. in the years since which i th- i mean i don't really understand why they why they did that other than perhaps perhaps just um to, to bring the name up to a, a more contemporary sort of style because she's such a famous ship for having been the first in the hundred thousand ton group um mm. now at the time that carnival destiny entered service princess was part of Pindo princess so Um, Mm -hmm. They weren't uh, um, associated with with Carnival um, at all at that time. And it sort of started this this competition of like building bigger and bigger ships, another sort of wave Mm -hmm. of of new builds. Um, And they announced uh, the Grand Princess, which was their first ship. She was 105,000 tons. So she was bigger still than Carnival Destiny. Um, And she entered service in 1998. And then, of course, the other um, competing company, um royal caribbean they they weren't going to just sort of sit on the sideline of course um and their first ship in the hundred thousand club was the uh the voyager of the seas and she actually clocked in at one hundred thirty seven thousand um gross tons so she was Mm. she was quite a step up in terms of in terms of size and scale and of course now you know they're they're um they're just you know they're kind of considered large ships but they're not by any means record breakers in terms of in terms of size and scale and uh a ship like queen elizabeth the the original ocean liner from the 1930s she, she doesn't even make the the top sort of top 10 or anything like that anymore you know in terms of size of <laughs> ships she's, she's well down the rankings because there are so many and i think um we're going to we're going to cover off on one of those uh, new ones that's uh, really breaking the barriers again uh, a little bit later on in, in the cruise news today.
1: Yeah, no, incredible, um, awesome uh, little facts and stats there, Chris. And thanks again to uh, to the listener for sending in that that awesome yeah, question. That's good. We uh, we'll take a very short break and then we'll be back uh, with the cruise news and uh, some of that incredible news around the the even bigger ship that you just hinted at there. Hello, it's me again. Just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me A Coffee. Um, If you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favourite YouTuber or artist. Um, We use Buy Me A Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, And in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, And in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me A Coffee, you will receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link, or listen to it in your favourite podcast, and uh, it gets to you about 12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it so it's a a great little bonus there and uh, once again it's about four Aussie dollars Um, one coffee multiple coffees you decide but every little donation is greatly appreciated and just a reminder you can find the link uh, to buy me a coffee in the show notes on the website and uh, also via the buy me a coffee app thanks in advance Okay, Chris, we hinted at some uh, big ship news. And, of course, this week, Royal Caribbean unveiled the the details around Icon of the Seas. What do we know?
2: Yes, yeah, so she's even bigger than their um, already enormous fleet of, uh, of of giant ships. You know, the Oasis class had had been mm-hmm. um, groundbreakers for many times, but Icon sort of brings in a new, um, takes things to the next level. I think around about 250,000 gross tons, so it makes... Yeah. Uh, Makes the the uh, the the Voyager of the seas look like a look like a baby, really. I suppose <laughs> um, arriving into service in um, late 2023, and will be prepared for its first um, first voyages, which will take place in January of 2024. So, of course, that that will include sort of the the crew provisioning, the test voyages to make sure the ship works nicely yep. before her first passengers come on board. But Baz, there's a whole heap of um, Really interesting things. They've built five sort of neighborhoods on board the ship, so it's almost getting to that sort of city at sea kind of um, yep. mentality here. Um, yep. We can go through we can go through them, but there's there's an island, um, thrill island rather, um, chill island, surfside, the hideaway, an aquadome, and they're all sort of themed as different parts of the ship. Um, so, for example, thrill island, um, this is a sort of a Top speed, um, centre of thrill on board the ship. So it's kind of got a <laughs> um, uh, a whole theme around doing things that are sort of on the edge and putting you on, um, you know, getting the adrenaline rushing. Um, yep. Things like a storm surge and a hurricane hunter um, experience, um, raft slides, that sort of thing. Uh, and then yep. uh, there's a, there's a few others uh, here as I mentioned. Uh, Chill Island. So there's a uh, the ship's got seven pools on board. Um, and then four of them um, are in this area, this chill island, which is like a little bit of a sort of resorty type feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Royal Bay pool, um, which is the largest pool at sea, um, and it even has its own, at its own retreat built inside it. Um, did you want to touch in on Surfside for a moment?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so Surfside's um, more about the the younger family. so it's got your Splash Stones, it's got the Water's Edge Pool, uh, mm. the Signature Carousel, which we find on quite a few different Royal Caribbean ships, as well as the... Uh, Adventure Ocean and Social Teens, which are the the kids and teen Mm. spaces on board there. So these five new neighbourhoods are in addition to the three neighbourhoods that we've also seen on the previous Oasis class. So that takes it to eight neighbourhoods on this particular vessel. Um, Yeah, it's incredible. 20 decks, 18 of those for guests, 2,350 crew, 2,805 staterooms, uh, 5,610 guests if we just count the lower berths. If we take the third, fourth, and fifths, and it's 7,600 guests. Uh, Seven pools, nine whirlpools, six record-breaking water slides, and her (laughs) length is 1,198 feet, or if you're in new money, 365 meters long.
2: It's really quite enormous. Um, And, and, you know, the other um, two of the new ones there, the Hideaway, which is 135 – a neighborhood that's sort of set 135 feet above the ocean, so it's got amazing views from up there. And then Mm. at the very top of the ship, they've got this aquadome neighborhood with its own theater. You know, with, yeah. uh, and you can really see it from the from the renditions of what the ship looks like. You know, with this big sort of bobbly glass sort of dome on the top, so um, it it stands out. It's a very unique ship. Uh, it takes many of the things that are in the Oasis class and the Quantum class and brings it on board, but sort of supercharges it. So, for example, um, they've got a, a, a bar here with the four robotic arms as opposed to just mm-hmm. uh, just the one or two like you see on some of the other ships.
1: <laughs> Incredible, and of course she'll be sailing on uh, seven-night East and Western Caribbean itineraries, and stopping at the uh, very, very popular uh, Perfect Day at Coco Key over in the the Bahamas. There, um, so I'm sure she'll be incredibly popular. I'm so surprised they've managed to keep all those details under wrap all this time because mm. normally these things kind of get leaked. But no, they've done a, a good it's job. Got of its own uh, website
2: now as well, so you can check it out <laughs> on, um, online.
1: Yeah. And one of the little things I liked is um, not only have they redesigned all of the, the, the public areas and also the staterooms for the, the the guests, but also the crew accommodation has had a complete overhaul and it's uh, been uh, touted as crew accommodation designed by and for the crew. So uh, be interested Goodness. to see uh, what benefits yeah. they're going to get in their areas too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different world when you go into the crew areas of the ship. You know, like passengers obviously have beautiful sort of... Um, designed corridors and all of that sort of stuff and crew <laughs> areas do look a lot more utilitarian so it would be interesting to see what this take on it is
1: yeah exactly exactly now uh, let's go a little closer to home this time chris because uh mm. within the royal caribbean family we've seen the first of the the royal group of ships arrive celebrity eclipse uh arrived into sydney today saturday yes. the 22nd
2: today yeah i know how exciting and it's been a busy busy time in sydney so we'll obviously Mm. touch on a few um but she's as you say the first ship from the royal caribbean group she's a celebrity's first ship back um and you know a a class of ships that's much that's much loved in in australian waters as well um she's got 21 Mm. restaurants on board there's of course the celebrity style accommodation um they've got that resort within a ship Sort of feature as well, so that there's some some extras for people in the in the uh, in the retreat area on board, um, and um, you know she's she's parked there in in Sydney Harbour alongside at the um, Overseas Passenger Terminal, so you've got that beautiful view there of the ship and the bridge and the Opera House and. It's just Sydney just looks right again with the cruise ships
1: right there in the harbour. <laughs> um, yeah, for Celebrity, it's been 930 days since they were last here. So goodness. it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, definitely good to see her back. And of course, one of the great features about uh, the Solstice class of ships is the half acre of real lawn on the top mm, deck there, which is a yeah. real nice touch and appreciated by uh, everybody for quite some years whilst these ships have been down in our waters.
2: They've also got that um, uh, interesting design with the twin funnels as well. It just makes them stand mm-hmm. out. They they look they look special. They look different, and of course, Celebrity is um, is under under way of um, re, repainting their ships in their new livery as well. So they look quite smart. Those of them have been updated.
1: Yeah, they do. And I did mention it in the opening of the show, but thanks to Gary in New South Wales, he has sent, some through, sent through some incredible images of not only Celebrity Eclipse in Sydney, but also the next ship which we're talking about, which is, of course, the fact that Majestic Princess made a majestic arrival into Sydney earlier this week.
2: Yes, and she's—I mean—a much bigger ship than um, than Coral Princess. Of, of course, we spoke so much about Coral Princess in the last episode mm-hmm. and the benefits of the sort of slightly smaller ship. But the Majestic brings all of the the best of the of the Princess big ship cruising with her. Um, uh, Princess estimates that the ship will bring about forty nine million dollars into the local economies in mm. the areas that should be sailing and we've spoken about this in other podcasts but for, for listeners who don't know that's everything from provisioning to you know the food and the wine and the and the new you know producers coming on board the ship to shore excursions to um you know, fueling and bunkering and port fees and Absolutely. agency fees and passenger spending ashore. So that, that impact into the market is something that so many businesses have been missing during the shutdown. And it's just so re- rele- it's such a relief
1: for many of them to see it coming back. Absolutely, Majestic's down here for 197 days. She's going to operate 17 voyages, sorry 17 voyages mm. uh, to 71 ports of call across the region. So incredible Fantastic. and well done again. And to she Princess. looks nice. It's
2: a nice class of ship. It has a good, yeah. good external appearance. So um, she looks very proud there with her big sea Witch logo on the bow. It looks, it looks great. <laughs> I actually did a video about it, about it. If people want to see pictures, um, Baz.
1: Oh, fabulous. Oh, great. We'll yeah. put that in the show notes uh, as always. Um, and of course, we'll be a little, uh, welcoming uh, Grand Princess as she will be arriving uh, into Australia not too far behind. The first and, in, uh,
2: the, in the grand class.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. No, good news for all. Yeah. Um, we're still with the Carnival Corporation. We've uh, had some sneak peeks at uh, what the latest P&O Australia ship looks like. In fact, uh, we have got a great video that you put together, and that's already been posted yeah. to uh, our friends that support us via Buy Me A Coffee.
2: Oh thank you for doing that. Yeah no it's great. Um uh, P&O uh you know obviously very proud of their of their new ship. She's uh, the third ship to re- return to P&O Australia service and and a new ship for their for their lineup. She she used to sail as the Golden Princess. Um she's a a grand class ship but she's had the full P&O treatment during the um during the months before she entered service. Um and there's a few Sort of new additions. Uh, probably the most noticeable from the outside is the twin racer water slides, um, mm-hmm. which are they're 135 meter um, long water slides. Um, they have a transparent section in it, so you can actually see outside as you're going through the water slide, which must be interesting because they kind of hang right towards the side of the ship there. So yeah, be yeah. quite a quite an experience. Um, Blunk to Blunk, which is the show that we covered in the Pacific Encounter um, mm. edition, it's been um, it's, it's debuting now on board um, Pacific Adventure, so it's it's um, there on on the um, on the new ship, um, and it'll be in the Black Circus, which is the, the sort of smaller secondary um, theatre, very yep. intimate sort of theatre that they have at the back of the ship on all three of their um, all three of their ships. Um, the whole lobby area, Baz, has been completely redeveloped. Um, so you've got this, this sort of, um, uh, atrium style that the, the princess designs are so well known for, but p and mm. puts a whole new take on it with, um, cafes and, and bars that sort of spill out into the area. So you've got the Avalon cafe, you've got Lilies and Charlie's, which brings it sort of very close to the style that you find on Encounter. There's two sister ships, um, have yep, a, have a yep. few little crossovers there. Um. And then, of course, the 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 the, um, the ship's pub has been been added into the ship. So that's the Adventure Hotel, um, mm-hmm. where you have your craft beers. They've got the Blue Room, which is a signature space on board the piano Australia fleet. But this one and its sister ship um, have that raised observation bar at the back of the ship, behind the funnel. And yep, so yep. it has the Blue Room, which is the jazz club, but it also has the Altitude, which is their which is their nightclub, is at, at the back of the ship there. So she's she's looking pretty smart.
1: Yeah, I do like the colours. They've got some really good um, use of bright, vibrant colours and, and textures um, throughout the ship, and I think it's uh, she's making a uh, I mean, really putting a, a different line in the sand from when she was obviously previously princess to what she is uh, today. So
2: yeah, they use some pretty cool carpets again. actually to completely change yeah. the the appearance of the ship. They they've got all these sort of dotted patterns in them and then as you go up the you know, you'll remember from um mm. uh, from pacific explorer as you go up the um, atrium it just sort of like blends into this different pattern and it gives a really interesting dynamic to the room
1: uh, we're going to stay with p o uh, also once again because uh, they've become the first homegrown aussie cruise line to offer f45 training at sea
2: yeah, so this is um, with their partnership with um, One Spa World, um, which is a health and fitness provider. And they'll mm. be offering this 45-minute um, uh, functional training classes with the F45 studio on board Pacific Encounter, which is the other grand class ship that they've got that's um, home porting out of Brisbane.
1: Yeah, no, incredible. I'm sure we'll see that uh- being popular and uh, possibly extended and rolled out to, uh, to other ships within the fleet down the track. Are,
2: are you a gym-on-the-ship um, gym kind of guy or uh, more of a, a wander-around-the-deck kind of guy?
1: Um, a bit of, bit of both. I don't mind yeah. a spin class. Yeah, okay. Um, but I, I do, like, uh, do like walking, particularly if it's a full wraparound deck. I, I don't like it so much if you've only got mm. parts of the deck that are kind of the walking areas. But if it's, yeah, got, and if it's got a real nice teak wooden deck, then definitely yeah. uh, for a bit of walking.
2: No, I'm quite um, fond of the, uh, the, the rowing machines on board, but if it's, uh, if it's a little bit um, rough in the, in the weather, it can sort of make it a little bit strange to be on any equipment, so then the deck is a better choice.
1: now next up Chris it looks like you've got a bit of competition because as our listeners would know you uh, are often found on various ships including Cunard (laughs) uh, offering uh, some enrichment of some sort but uh, you've got some uh, competition now with the addition of Bear Grylls heading to Alaska
2: I think he might win hands down with the uh, popularity contest there (laughs) Um, but no very well very well linked of course because Cunard obviously um, I am on board to to speak about their history but um, in this particular voyage up in the Alaska, um, it's sort of more about the, the adventurous side of, of transportation and travel and, and an adventurous mm-hmm. part of the world. So Bear Grills works quite well there. Um, it'll be the 2023 Alaska voyage on a round trip out of Vancouver, Cuba, um, Canada there, uh, that he'll be joining the ship. Um, and, of course, this will be his first um, uh, time he returns to Alaska since he visited there in 2015 mm-hmm. with President <laughs> Barack Obama. Yeah, that Yeah. Humber, yeah. Um, So Cunard's obviously, um, it actually has quite a long connection with Alaska, but it had um, kind of left the Alaskan region in the 1990s. And it was just a few years before the pandemic started that Cunard returned to Alaska. So it's great to see them Mm. coming back um, now that cruising has resumed.
1: Yeah, so Bear's going to be on a 12-night voyage, uh, taking in Glacier Bay National Park, Tracy on Fjord, Hubbard Glacier, and also the ports of call, including Juno, Ketchikan, Sitka, and more. Yeah, and if Bear Grylls isn't your thing or your cup of tea, then there are other guest speakers that are going to be uh, following on in uh, the kind of expedition uh, zone. We've got Kenton Cool, who's going to be on board on June the 20th and 30th. We've got Penn Hatter, who's on board on July the 7th. Anne Daniels on July the 17th, Felicity Aston on July 27, and Bund on August 7. And if you want to know any more about what those people have been up to in their previous lives, then just jump into the show notes of this episode, because we've got a whole heap of information around each and every one of them. Now, Chris, next we're talking um, Holland America. We've spoken quite a bit over the last couple of weeks about uh, how they are planning to celebrate and uh, mark their 150th anniversary. And this next bit of news is uh, great in that it's celebrating what Holland America um, did back in its early days. And I didn't realize that one in 10 people that emigrated to the United States from uh, Europe actually did so with Holland America.
2: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, Holland America is, I mean, obviously it's a brand of the Carnival Corporation now, but it's so much more than just a brand. It's a mm. it's a shipping line with a long and rich and important history and heritage. Um, they, based in, in, um, in Rotterdam in Europe, they had a lot of travelers that were coming across, um, a lot of people immigrating to, to the United States, um, particularly in the era up to World War One, before America imposed um, immigration quotas. So there was just so many people making that westbound voyage um, on Holland yep. America's ship, um, or ships, should I say. Uh, so yes, th- this is a p- partnership with um, the Statue of Liberty Ellis Island Foundation. Of course, so many people who were immigrating would have ended up at Am- Ellis Island where they did the processing of, of people who were immigrating to the United States. Um, and mm-hmm. Holland America is interesting as well because, it did try as a as a company to to raise um, the standards a little bit. We've we've spoken about life on the old steamships before, where in steerage or, or third class, or in some cases steerage was below third class, and some of the some of the lines had four classes, if you can believe it. Um, mm, but Holland America, yeah. they actually um, they did away with that that um, sort of very basic steerage experience quite early on in the piece, uh, meaning that they're they're. they're um, passengers uh, were, were provided with three meals for the duration of the voyage. Some, some ships weren't um, – some companies weren't actually offering um, complimentary food for people oh, wow. who were immigrating on, on the ships in the 19th century at least. Um, and so yeah. this was, uh, of course, uh, you know, a big step in terms of making the, the voyage more comfortable and more pleasant. And, uh, yeah, a great um, partnership they've got there to celebrate their 150th um, anniversary. They've actually started the recreation of their first ever voyage, um, which departed on the 15th of um, October from the Netherlands, and it's expected to arrive in New York and sail past the Statue of Liberty um, on the 26th, so just in a few days' time.
1: Incredible! Um, I was reading in the the release that came with this that um, not only did they introduce the food for all on boards um, their their voyages or their their line voyages to the u s they also went a couple of steps further in that they had um, doctors um available to um, do medicals prior to boarding. They had the pre-departure hotel, of course, which is now the, the, the hotel in, in Rotterdam itself. Um, and from there, they did English lessons and classes on American civics and culture to make sure that as many people as possible did actually uh, manage to, to pass the tests on arrival. And as a result, 99% of immigrants that were carried with Holland America did successfully clear Alice Island on their first attempt.
2: I think that's it. That's the part that is so interesting for people to think about is that, of course, these these shipping companies that were like, like Holland America that were doing these voyages back in, in the 19th and, and early 20th century, they're not offering anything like what the cruise experience is now. It was really about mm-hmm. a way of transporting people from point A to point B, a purpose behind uh, moving people around and, and for Holland America to be able to offer – um, the people who are going to immigrate, a, a greater chance of successfully um, making it in America would have been a really big sort of point in their favor when people were choosing which shipping company to go with.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's no, interesting indeed. Um, next, Chris, we're going to head over to the uh, the Pacific and we're talking uh, Windstar this time. They've actually partnered with the Coral Gardens in Tahiti uh, to try and uh, restore and replenish the, the corals uh, systems over in that particular part of the world.
2: Yeah, they're making a um, thirty-five thousand dollar donation to the um, to the coral garden gardeners, um, and it's um, basically a, a link between a, a sort of adopting a coral for all guests or, or passengers that all passengers are sailing with Windstar um, for the remainder of this particular year, Baz.
1: Yeah. So for 2022 guests, uh, Windstar will fund um, the, the, the purchase of the coral or the, the sponsoring of the coral. And then from 23 and 24, guests will be encouraged or be invited to, uh, to make a donation. And uh, Windstar anticipates that uh, almost all guests will do so uh, because uh, Windstar has been in Tahiti for so long. In fact, this is part of their 35th anniversary of sailing in Tahiti and French Polynesia.
2: Yeah, and I mean, the the coral reefs in this part of the world are being so heavily impacted by bleaching events and that sort of thing. So I think it's um, something that, uh, that that the cruise line is able to offer to, to help preserve something that people really love to see and make sure that future generations can enjoy um, one of these natural wonders.
1: And can you believe it, Chris? It's been 10 years, a whole decade, since Carnival arrived and brought fun down under.
2: No, it's amazing, isn't it? I actually re- recall the... Um, the, the arrival of yeah. uh, of their first uh, first uh, carnival ship down here, Carnival in Spirit, Australia. of course, yeah, and it was yeah Carnival Spirit, and it um it really has changed things up a lot because you know up until the the sort of mid 1st th- decade of the two thousands there really wasn't that much competition in the Australian market for ships that were based here year round. We've yeah. of course had a heap of world cruise ships coming through and ships that would spend several months here, but for Carnival to sort of come down um, and bring, bring their ship here full time. And then um, even though they had obviously such strong ties with P&O Australia to have the two brands operating sort of pushed the market into a, to a new sort of phase of growth, which is um, really benefited those of us traveling in Australia. So they've, um, they've started their celebrations at Tangaluma, which is um, in Morton Island Mm -hmm. in Queensland. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's with Carnival Splendor. And then of course we've, we've also got Carnival, Carnival Luminosa, which is the newest member of their fleet. Um, a former uh, costa ship mm. that's been um, carnivalized <laughs> and it um, will be coming into Australia as well and they'll be joining in those celebrations.
1: Yeah, so she's expected to be here in November, so not too far away at all. She'll be based out of Around Brisbane, as you say, she'll be here until April before heading uh, up to Alaska. And Fantastic. last but by no means least, it's, we always like to include a little bit of River Cruise news where possible, and today we're talking all things yeah. Avalon and they're raising the bar on Happy Hour.
2: Yeah, so they are offering their um, – happy hour specials on their ship suites across Europe with uh, free house beer, wine and spirits, as well as a cocktail of the day, Baz.
1: Yeah, it's uh, good news for for, for Avalon. And to be fair, Avalon's probably a brand certainly in Australia where they people kind of overlook them a little bit. There's a couple of other brands that yeah. are probably a little bit stronger down here, but uh, they have incredible ships and I probably think one of the best designed staterooms on on the rivers in the way that they position the bed and uh, the, the the balcony etc. to uh, really allow you to connect with the destination as you're sailing down the river. So. Uh, Well done to Avalon, and uh, whether you're uh, saying prost, sante, whatever you like to say, or even just cheers, then uh, let's have a drink on uh, Avalon.
2: A nice way to see the the shores of Europe sailing past with a uh, complimentary cocktail in hand.
1: Mm, Sounds like a plan, absolutely. Of course, uh, we touched on earlier in the show uh, Later this week or later next week, should I say? We'll be uh, drink in hand, welcoming Coral Princess to to Fremantle, and uh, we'll be sharing a couple of images uh, with uh, with the listeners on socials as well. But uh, have you got any other videos that I probably have missed or uh, need to give a little push to, Chris,
2: um, I, I've done. I've got three out at the moment uh, within the space of a week. The the first was the my top five favourite things about um, the Coral Princess.
1: Oh yeah, I remember um,
2: that? Yeah, so. Yeah, there's a, um, a, a little spoiler. The 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 crew are um, certainly raising the bar on board that ship. So <laughs> um, check that one out. Then, of course, there's something about the um, arrival of majestic Princess, which with some great uh, imagery there that's um, been sent through from from Princess um, of the ship in Sydney, and uh, and finally um, the image r- reveal of um, the interior of uh, Pacific Adventure.
1: Incredible. Um, I have put the links to those three videos in the show notes what chris is linked to his generic youtube page is uh, always there as well so uh, do have a look guys there's uh, lots of opportunities to go through the back catalog and see lots of uh, interesting uh, maritime history um, and not only just the, the more modern stuff that we talk about uh, today chris always a pleasure my friend uh, we'll do the same thing probably about the same time next week
2: sounds great Buzz. see you then
0: that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hold up.